the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. And here we are. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. Hope you had a good Monday. I was just thinking on the way in about the challenge that we have today, great problems in the society and the culture. That challenge keeps us kind of on the edge and keeps us intense and serious-minded. On the other hand, there is that desire to be joyful and to relax in the Lord and enjoy our families and the simple, wonderful pleasures of life and the freedoms that we do have. You got this contrast, this conflict within us, wanting to be positive and enjoy life, and on the other hand, to be serious-minded and to be God's people, to be the salt and light that we ought to be. It's a great challenge, but you know we can do it. That's what we're called to do. Just think of the wonderful balance we found in the life of Jesus, the Messiah. Well, we're going to read from two young pastors today, Timothy and Titus. But before we do that, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25 on the Bible Life. Proverbs 25, 14 through 28. A person who doesn't give a promised gift is like clouds and wind that don't bring rain. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much of it or it will make you sick. Don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Putting confidence in an unreliable person is like chewing with a toothache or walking on a broken foot. Singing cheerful songs to a person whose heart is heavy is as bad as stealing someone's jacket in cold weather or rubbing salt in a wound. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals on their heads, and the Lord will reward you. As surely as the wind from the north brings rain, so a gossiping tongue causes anger. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a contentious wife in a lovely home. 
Good news from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. If the godly compromise with the wicked, it is like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. Just as it is not good to eat too much honey, it is not good for people to think about all the honors they deserve. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. End of reading, Proverbs 25, 14-28. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. In the light of His glory and grace, grace being the great, great theme of the Pauline epistles, and it's going to continue to be so. We're going to go right on into our reading tonight from the books of First and Second Timothy. Timothy was one of Paul's closest companions. He sent Timothy to the church at Ephesus, remember, when they had problems and difficulties. This letter was written probably about A.D. 64 from Rome. Second Timothy, now that we're going to begin tonight, was written from prison there in Rome. This first letter was probably written just prior to his final imprisonment in Rome. Timothy probably served for a time as a leader there in the church at Ephesus, a large influential congregation in the world at that time. The Apostle John also served as a leader in that congregation. They had had some difficult times with false teachers and false teaching, and Timothy was sent. It's a very personal letter, kind of a handbook of church administration and discipline. I really enjoyed the idea here of an older man mentoring and giving instructions to young Timothy, this younger generation. Practical instructions about how to build and grow a church. 1 Timothy 3.1 through 2 Timothy 2.19 1 Timothy 3. It is a true saying that if someone wants to be an elder, he desires an honorable responsibility. For an elder must be a man whose life cannot be spoken against. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exhibit self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, peace-loving, and not one who loves money. He must manage his own family well, with children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new Christian, because he might be proud of being chosen so soon, and the devil will use that pride to make him fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him, so that he will not fall into the devil's trap and be disgraced. In the same way, deacons must be people who are respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers and must not be greedy for money. They must be committed to the revealed truths of the Christian faith and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, they should be given other responsibilities in the church as a test of their character and ability. If they do well, then they may serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not speak evil of others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. 
I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I can't come for a while, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and support of the truth. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ appeared in the flesh and was shown to be righteous by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and was announced to the nations. He was believed on in the world and was taken up into heaven. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Timothy 4. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from what we believe. They will follow lying spirits and teachings that come from demons. These teachers are hypocrites and liars. They pretend to be religious, but their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanksgiving by people who know and believe the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it. We may receive it gladly with thankful hearts, for we know it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you explain this to the brothers and sisters, you will be doing your duty as a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is fed by the message of faith and the true teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important, for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. This is true, and everyone should accept it. We work hard and suffer much in order that people will believe the truth. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of those who believe. Teach these things, and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you teach, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken to you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right, and God will save you and those who hear you. 1 Timothy 5 Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully, as though he were your own father. Talk to the younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat the older women as you would your mother, and treat the younger women with all purity as your own sisters. The church should care for any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God very much. But a woman who is a true widow, one who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. Night and day she asks God for help and spends much time in prayer. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead. Give these instructions to the church so that the widows you support will not be criticized. But those who won't care for their own relatives, especially those living in the same household, have denied what we believe. Such people are worse than unbelievers. A widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. 
She must be well respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers? Has she served other Christians humbly? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widows should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. Besides, they are likely to become lazy and spend their time gossiping from house to house, getting into other people's business and saying things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them. For I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. If a Christian woman has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for widows who are truly alone. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Elders who do their work well should be paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not keep an ox from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Do not listen to complaints against an elder unless there are two or three witnesses to accuse him. Anyone who sins should be rebuked in front of the whole church so that others will have a proper fear of God. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the holy angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing special favor to anyone. Never be in a hurry about appointing an elder. Do not participate in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Remember that some people lead sinful lives, and everyone knows they will be judged. But there are others whose sin will not be revealed until later. In the same way, everyone knows how much good some people do. But there are others whose good deeds won't be known until later. 1 Timothy 6 Christians who are slaves should give their masters full respect, so that the name of God and His teaching will not be shamed. If your master is a Christian, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. You should work all the harder because you are helping another believer by your efforts. Teach these truths, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some false teachers may deny these things, but these are the sound, wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are the foundation for a godly life. Anyone who teaches anything different is both conceited and ignorant. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, fighting, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they don't tell the truth. To them, religion is just a way to get rich. Yet true religion with contentment is great wealth. After all, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world, and we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, belong to God. So run from all these evil things and follow what is right and good. Pursue a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for what we believe. 
Hold tightly to the eternal life that God has given you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And I command you before God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey his commands with all purity. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. For at the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He alone can never die, and He lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach Him. No one has ever seen Him, nor ever will. To Him be honor and power forever. Amen. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. But their trust should be in the living God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give generously to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of real life. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. It is written to Timothy, my dear son. May God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. He is the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I know that you sincerely trust the Lord. For you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So you must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for Christ. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the proclamation of the good news. It is God who saved us and chose us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan long before the world began, to show His love and kindness to us through Christ Jesus. And now He has made all of this plain to us by the coming of Christ Jesus, our Savior, who broke the power of death and showed us the way to everlasting life through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. And that is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of right teaching you learned from me, and remember to live in the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. With the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard what has been entrusted to you. As you know, all the Christians who came here from the province of Asia have deserted me. Even Phygelus and Hermogenes are gone. 
May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family, because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in prison. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know how much he helped me at Ephesus. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Timothy 2. Timothy, my dear son, be strong with the special favor God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach many things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Teach these great truths to trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in the affairs of this life. For then you cannot satisfy the one who has enlisted you in his army. Follow the Lord's rules for doing his work. Just as an athlete either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. Hard-working farmers are the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will give you understanding in all these things. Never forget that Jesus Christ was a man born into King David's family, and that he was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a true saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind everyone of these things, and command them in God's name to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so God can approve you. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid godless, foolish discussions that lead to more and more ungodliness. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are examples of this. They have left the path of truth, preaching the lie that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred, and they have undermined the faith of some. But God's truth stands firm, like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His, and those who claim they belong to the Lord must turn away from all wickedness. End of reading 1 Timothy 3.1 through 2 Timothy 2.19. The letter, these two letters actually, that Paul wrote to young Timothy. Now this is not a young teenager, this is a young man. A young leader, not a boy or a child, but a man, and sincere follower of Jesus. And this is not just advice given on a totally professional level. This is more of a father figure, someone who really cares about Timothy and really cares about the church. This new powerful institution that has sprung up in these decades that Paul has been doing ministry, these congregations, these groupings of people that gather around their allegiance to Jesus the Messiah to walk with God and know him. At the bottom of all of this, I have to speak quickly here, it has to do with what we talked about just as we introduced the reading tonight. On the one hand, there is a desire for this simplicity, this straightforward, and there's nothing so beautiful as a Christian congregation that's simple, that's good, it's solid, it's dependable, it's healthy, the people love each other, the pastor is working hard and loves his people and, and serves his people 
there's nothing more beautiful than a congregation of God's people working together well and, and accomplishing things together, putting together ministries that are effective and helpful, that change and transform lives, and that create growth in the body of Christ, new believers. We love to see that, and I've been privileged and honored over the years to see many healthy congregations, not only here in this culture, in this society, but around the world. Brand new congregations in Mongolia went in early in the 90s when Mongolia opened to the gospel for the first time, met the very first modern Christian convert there in Mongolia, and the first elder, the first deacon in a modern era that had been ordained by congregation to lead, the very first churches, and saw the Bible translated, infant congregations that grow up, go back today, 20 years later, and just hundreds of congregations. It's just so exciting to see and hear about these matters. Go into India, into Latin America, these places, and you see these principles that are brought up. It's so interesting to me the contrast, the naturalness, and the simple purity of a congregation of people. And then on the other hand, there's some intentionality. There's some leadership. There's some decisions that are made. There's some principles that are followed in the healthiest of these congregations. We've all been a part of business meetings and so on in congregations and seen when things blow up and when people get crosswise with each other and when money becomes such a huge factor. Notice in these passages how Paul deals and warns Timothy about the power and the influence of money and gives some ideas and some principles about how do we solve the problem of wanting too much money. Despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, most people today still believe that money brings happiness and success. and It just doesn't do it, but Paul gives some guidelines about how we can keep away from the love of money. It could not, could not be said better. I love the context of the book of Timothy here. It's not just professional talk. It's not how to build and grow a church. It's a man talking to a younger man that he loves and they care and they're concerned about each other and the reality. And I love the way Paul combines this, this wonderful mystery, he says, of the reality of the church being the kingdom of God. He says it's, a, it's the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. And on the other hand... It's a human in a human flesh. We walk it out. We live it out. It's normal. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit. And I love the combination. That's the miracle of God's people. I hope this is your experience in your church as well. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.